0: Welcome back to another episode of Full Metal RPG, episode number 49. I'm your host, Adam Sink, with me as always, brendan Carrion. What's up, Brendan? What up, player? Not much. How you doing? Uh dude, I'm doing great, man. I am doing great. How about you? How about yourself? Doing really good. We we uh, hit the Patreon and we got all that stuff out. If you got physical copies of things, they're winging their way to you presently.
1: Yes, sir. I am uh, sitting here with my personal copy of Horrorism Number 1, dude. And I gotta say, dude, it came out like so much better than I thought it was gonna.
0: Yeah, you really put high production value into that one. It's uh, a... <laughs> they're getting their money's worth if they got All the right. physical version of that.
1: You know, I'm I'm happy to hear you say that because that was like preeminent on my mind. It's funny because I was just listening a minute ago to the to the, the episode at the beginning of um April or whatever and I was at the point I was still writing it. And I was like, "Oh, gee, it's really important to me that like they get their money's worth." I actually said that. Yeah. So, um yeah, That's
0: important to me. I kind of printed them at home, like stapled them, and I was like, this is like some indie punk rock shit that I'm doing here.
1: <laughs> that is also cool. And so, I, I really dig the cover and I really dig the magazine that you put together. So I have my copy. You should
0: copy. be getting copies of, of, uh, of the other game, the Patreon game that's available to all patrons in digital format along with that. If you got a physical copy, you should get a physical copy of Chemtrails and Cuckholds as well. So
1: Yes. The, the uh, hilarious game of
0: um alt-right idiocy indeed it's actually been like approved of by real actual game devs
1: yeah it's true it's been it's given it the thumbs up like r- like real game designers have read it and chuckled
0: apparently yeah. aloud even who knew? who knew who knew man who knew so yeah that's the patreon and so we do have new patrons this month Yes, we do, and as always, we're going to read them on air. So, are you, you going
1: to commence the litany of? I'm the... going to
0: commence the litany, and everyone can sit back and enjoy it. Wonderful! And these are our new patrons, our uh, our new cultists, starting with first, Jared Washburn, a bowl of soup on Instagram. He increased his pledge level to the new curios level, and we'll get into the new levels in a second here. Rob Matheny and Philip Overby from the grim tidings podcast what's up fellas philip Carroll dm zemo on instagram backed us the homie the homie dm zemo what up see him at gen con paulo waves of static he backed us as well he's one of the dungeon punks guys
1: thanks paulo man appreciate you wolf mungus backed us i love that guy he's a he's a homie from the instagram he is and Nathan Smith backed us. Dude, Nathan Smith is actually a homie from the uh, the LA days. I uh, used to hang with the him. The LA days. Oh, boy. <laughs> he, uh, he is like a sort of like reformed gamer. He doesn't really do it anymore, but he kind of keeps like, you know, he keeps an eye on that side of the fence. And um, fun fact, he and I actually recorded episodes of a podcast together. As yet unreleased. Oh, yeah! It's in the archives. It is in the archives, man. And uh, every so often, I'll put one on and listen to it. It's weird. It's, it's very <laughs> it's another di- life. It's very different than this. Yeah. Anyway, Nathan, dude, I haven't seen you in like two years, homie. Uh, thank you for supporting the show. Really appreciate you. I'm happy. To, I'm happy you're still listening, man. And uh, I need to get my ass up to Seattle and see you again soon. I hope that you and Caitlin are doing well. Tell her I said what up.
0: All right. And that brings us to the new pledge levels. We have new pledge levels. We've had a couple people ask us, what do I do if I want both horrorism and survivalism? And of course, the answer is you pledge both. No, that's not the answer. (laughs) You can't actually do that. There's no functionality for that. There's no functionality that'll allow you to do that. So (laughs) of course, the answer is uh, that we now have a level that will get you either both the electronic copies or both the physical copies and additionally the electronic copies. If you want to go that route. Um, In addition, we've also anything above the curios level, which is the two, the uh, both physical copies will now also get the physical copies of both newsletters as well in the mail. So, yeah. So if you're like a fan of the PDFs type
1: stuff, now remember the PDFs have one article each in them, at least one article each, and they are the digital versions and they'll be emailed directly to you. All right. That's called the two headed goat level. Uh, if you are a fan of of collecting physical artifacts, we're calling that the Collector of Curios level. You get both physical zines, you get both digital zines. So you'll get the little articles kind of in the ma- in the in the email, like ahead of time, something to kind of like wet your appetite, and then like a couple weeks later, you'll probably get the physical one uh, shipped anywhere in the world. But thank you to all of our patrons at all levels. Who are supporting the show, helping us do much better stuff than we ever
0: thought we were going to do? Am yeah, I right? We've got some discussions coming up about what we're going to do and what this is going to allow us to start doing. And uh, stay tuned because there's, there's some things coming. Yeah, yeah. So that t- leads us directly into what have you been up to, Brendan? What have you been up to?
1: Okay, so I'll just start with the with the writing. Been writing my ass off. Horrorism one is done. Horrorism one's out the door. Working on horrorism two. Um, I'm, I'm hoping to kind of ratchet up the darkness for it. I'm hoping to make it harsher for the next issue. And I'm going to, that, 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 I think is going to be a trend that I'm going to try and play, see how far I can go. I was having a really interesting conversation with Coldier about this and, um, yeah, man, I, uh, I, I, yeah, I'd like to explore like to explore more. I think we're in what, what 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 pretentious artists call a discovery period right now. Yeah, very, very erudite. But I am running a game, and that is um my Black Blood game that I am using
0: World of Darkness rules to run at in the old Friday night game club. At
1: Friday night game, game club. Game Depot
0: Tempe Arizona, who are our sponsors?
1: That's right, our sponsors, Game Depot in Tempe Arizona on uh, McClintock and Southern. Is that right?
0: That's right. So if you go in there, uh, let them know we sent in.
1: Yeah, if you and, buy something at Game yeah. Depot and you heard about it here, or you like listen to the show or whatever, just like mention that in passing. That'd be like pretty rad. Yeah, let just, them know. Just as a little kind of, you know, hey, you know, just just an idea. Doing us a solid. Um, so, what 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 happened last time? Oh my gosh, dude, uh, it was a good session. It was a good session. It It was like
0: you guys were having fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, We had some really good turnout, didn't we? We did. We had an amazing turnout this time. And it was like, you actually had an audience for yours as well, which is interesting. People were kind of just hanging out watching the game. Yeah, Yeah, so um, people were hanging out watching and seeing what was going on, and that was kind of neat.
1: Yeah, I did did like that. And uh, the game really took off from the sort of cliffhanger ending that i had left the last time where they had gone to this safe house that was controlled by a uh the other vampire faction in the city and they were kind of being held prisoner there and so it began with them being uh having having shotguns like leveled at them and then they had to kind of talk their way out of that and uh They were, oh man, uh, they were just firing on all cylinders as a group. Um, Dwayne was back and he was, he had to get, because his character had split off from the others in the last session because he wasn't there, he had to get his characters back in the room. And you know how sometimes that just takes a whole session? Yeah. It took a whole session session. with this one. Uh, In the meantime, the other characters were being kind of like interrogated by. The minions of this other vampire who rules this different part of the city, and uh, they got taken to his lair, and um, he kind of they got to kind of see how the other half live, you know, like what's going on with those guys and their uh, followers were like hideous and like disgusting and vile, like massively violent, Um, which was really fun to run. Uh, I really like that kind of just visceral, just gut punch horror and. (laughs) My <laughs> the best part of the session, the best part was, uh, the the elder vampire that was living in this like industrial area, right? That's where he's made his haven, and he is using a lot of obfuscate to keep people away from it, right? And um, what's what 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 is fun for me about running this game is because no one there has any expectations about world of darkness or how it should play or anything. Like that, I'm just taking all those like fucking rules and just throwing them all out, and I just have vampires and disciplines just be kind of what I want them to be. And uh, so they, so 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 Dwayne, even though he had found his his party and he was trying to rejoin them, he like broke off again, right? And they got all taken into this obfuscated building, and so he could he couldn't find it because of the obfuscate. But I wanted him to rejoin the party, so um, I was having him narrate trying to find it. And I kept narrating how, like, the, as he would worm his way into the center of this industrial area, these, like, waves of nausea would, like, ride over him and, like, kind of spit him out on the other side without being able to find the place. Right. And then so finally he gets out of his car. He's like, no, I'm just going to like stagger forward. I'm just going to like just push my way in there. And so I'm all, like describing like, oh, you feel like the ground is undulating underneath you. And sounds are so weird. And your your head is like covered in sweat. <laughs> I should have had an X card. He goes, he goes, he goes, hang on, dude. Hang on, dude. You're making me nauseous. <laughs> He's like, I need a second. He like takes off his hat. He goes out there kind of like waving his face for a minute that was I don't know as, as like a it's kind of like a gross out person and a person who really loves to, to run horror and stuff like when someone has like a seriously like visceral reaction like that at the table it's very rewarding for me because yeah, you know I have to chew with my mouth open or whatever <laughs> um, so then at the very end they um, the, uh, uh, Dwayne got captured by the people who were guarding the perimeter of the warehouse and then just as the uh, other characters had sworn fealty to this completely inhuman like obviously deranged toxic monster that was living inside the warehouse uh the uh that that monster's henchman like brought forward Dwayne with a bag over his head and they were like thanks for signing up now it's time for a loyalty test you should shoot this guy and then they just cut right there nice. just cut you know let them let them let them dwell on that kind of right. world of darknessy sort of conundrum for a couple of weeks well it's not going to be a couple of
0: weeks cuz it'll it's just going to be one right yeah, cuz you have but, to run a makeup session
1: well i was going to run a makeup session cuz we're going to be out of town right. a bunch um, coming up here and all and we have all these fucking obligations that are falling right on game night um but then i got a call from my buddy chris today saying that he's not going to be able to make it to the oh, next okay. one so to the to the makeup session. So I think I'm just gonna can it, and then we're gonna I'll I'll try and make it up a different time. Okay. But uh, I'll try and make it up a different time. But we're not gonna be able to play this week. So. All right. Well, That's maybe where we're at after Phoenix Comic Con. So, what was going on over at the Mutant Year Zero table? Because son of a bitch, dude, you had so many players. There were a million players. You had so, so many players. We had a
0: bunch of people come who hadn't been in a while, and then we had two new people show up. Uh, who just wanted to play because they're like, hey, we've played D and D, we want to, you know, try some other games because we feel like we haven't ever played any games that aren't D and D and Pathfinder. Oh my God, this
1: is perfect! You're, I'm, and I I'm, said,
0: well, welcome aboard. Jesus like, Christ, that's just gold. So, that's yeah. gold. We sat him down. It was uh, Hunter and, and Xavier, and we sat him down and, and had him write up characters. And so uh, we got another dog handler and then an enforcer, and we haven't had any enforcers yet. Uh, Joe, who played the slave from last session, came back. Um, cause he was new last session. Uh, Stephen, yeah, yeah. came. Uh, Michael Colette showed up. He was a little late. Um, and then, uh, Richard was Richard there. Richard was there. And so. what's his name. Is his name had, Perry? Is there a dude named Perry or something? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was playing the other, the other dog handler, uh, Mighty Max and, and Buster. Um. And so, yeah, but well, there were eight people at the table. And Mutant Year Zero is a game that kind of supports that because you've got the arc, you've got a variable number of mutants, and people kind of drop in and out as they will anyway. So we had a bunch of people who hadn't been there in a while, and then we had a bunch of people who were there last time but had missed the session before that. So nobody had, like, a complete picture of what was going on um, in the game. And so it started with them kind of just being out in the, out in the zone and... Uh, and wandering around and doing things and so they had to draw a threat card at the beginning of the session because they resolved the last threat so they draw a new threat card and it was like a new a new fever a new illness has broken out in the arc so this gave an excuse to have the people who had shown up who weren't there last session find these other people because they came bearing the news hey there's this illness in the arc that's killing people they're basically bleeding out through all their orifices and dying horribly and so they said, well, what can we do about that? Well, we do know about that hospital. So they, ah, full of ghouls. The ghoul hospital. And so they decided to make their way to the ghoul hospital. So they got to the ghoul hospital and they're going down through the hospital and they go down into the morgue where the ghouls were before. And they, they know that the ghouls don't like fire. They're afraid of fire. So they, they got a bunch of like alcohol, ice, alcohol and stuff from the upper level, created some torches and stuff so they could find their way down. And they're like finding their way it because they're trying to track this monster there's this monster that lives there right why are they tracking the monster because they want to deal with it because they know they're going to have to deal with it if they want to to pilfer the hospital they can deal with the ghouls without with the fire but they need to kill this monster essentially is what they decided um, and I decided, well, I'm going to actually have the the monster layering in the pharmacy, like in the basement. Of course. Um, that's where his layer is going to be. Yeah. And so they're kind of going through and I'm describing, you know, as they're descending into darkness and like the stench of everything and the rot and like the, the smell of this thing's layer as they get closer and closer to it. And then they find it. And basically it's this like irradiated monstrosity, like like the vase from from Vampire. It's all of these... Conjoined humans in this mass of flesh with, you know, mouths of mouths and legs made of legs and an arm made of arms and uh, just this very grotesque looking creature um, that they made incredibly short work of. Like this <laughs> thing was. <laughs> How? What? They were rolling amazingly well. And then I got this chance to strike <sighs> back and I'm it like, happens. all right, I've got 10 dice. And six is our success and it does like all this horrible damage because of this, like the nature of the beast. So I roll the 10 dice, two ones and not a single six. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to push the roll so that I can re-roll all the dice that aren't ones that are failures. So now I get to roll eight dice. So I have rolled 18 dice at this point. I throw those dice down, not a single six in that handful of dice either. And I just looked at it and went okay like clearly this is how (laughs) this is meant to go down oh adam this is like you and warhammer all over again it is my dice rolling is is tragic at least it's tragically consistent it's tragically consistent um and so they dealt with it pretty easily and then they came back with all this medicine and they go back into the ark and start giving it to people and they're kind of like, all right, well, we're going to get cleaned up and we're going to deal with this other stuff that's going on in the arc later because there had been that slave revolt and some other things. And so they get cleaned up and they all decide we're going to rest and heal up. So they rest and heal up. And as they're all kind of like coming back into the world, I just had the the boss that the two of the characters have decided that they hate Pompifax come out. And he's got the the slave leading the revolt Spartacus with him. And he's just like, well, you know, we've come to, a, to an agreement and – I've decided to let all of my slaves free. They can have their freedom. And he's like, and you know, the reason that we had this corrupt and unjust system was because of the eldest. He has one of his enforcers kind of bring the eldest out in his little robe. And he's like, and there has to be punishment for this. So they pick him up and they throw him off of the balcony to the foot of the, of the statue of that dinosaur that they worship as a God and kill him, which causes pandemonium and, and chaos. And at that point the party just kind of splits into factions oh
1: no so
0: richard goes i am gonna support what pompafax is doing and <laughs> i'm gonna go off and join him all right the, one of the other guys goes i want to go talk to the other boss like the violent one because i i have three bosses and they're all kind of archetypes there's pompafax who's like this grandiose kind of charismatic i'm going to tell the people what they want to hear type of leader then there's uh Gobsmasher, who's this violent, like, I rule through strength of my fists kind of leader. And then there's another one, Eve, who lives down in the stacks, who's like this shadowy manipulator. Okay. And so Joe, who was playing uh, the slave, and uh, Michael Collette, who's playing the stalker, they decide that they're going to go talk to the freed slaves and try to get them to agree to the election, but to vote for Joe to be the leader of the Ark, because now that the eldest is gone, they need a leader. Right. Pompifax is playing off the angle of I need Spartacus supports me because I, you know, he's basically tortured him into submission. Um, And he's like, so he supports me. So I'm going to make my play that way. And then he's Richard went down and got the babies they had gotten from last time to bring them to Pompifax as he's going to present them as this is a sign that I meant to rule. Look, we have children for the first time in anyone's memory
1: and uh richard's going
0: along with this he's like oh allow me to be your helper yeah he's like let me help you out here so (laughs) um oh richard he goes and he does that well he's got a side plan he's got like a side thing and um so the other one goes to gobsmasher and he's going what are we going to do if they have this election and gobsmasher's like we're going to go to the polls and we're going to intimidate people so that they don't vote and the only people that are going to vote are the people who vote for me sounds like, like real world shit yeah he's like so we're gonna do voter suppression and so the guy goes well what if instead of that we go to the slaves tonight and we just start busting up all their stuff and beating them down and he's like and then we don't he's like we can do the polls thing too but we suppress them the night before so basically they're planning the crystal knocked like yeah this is all sounding very familiar yeah and then the the other the other faction goes to find eve and talking to her and she's like well pompefax isn't gonna let smash count the votes Gossash is not going to let PompaFax count the votes. She's like, I control most of the Chroniclers, so I'm going to count the votes. I can make this election say whatever I want it to, and it sounds an awful lot like I win. And so now we've got essentially these three factions all kind of teed up to have this sham election. <laughs> and, and see which one comes out on top. And then Richard, for his part, said he like mil- built this IED that he made like into like some kind of decorative trophy that he's that he's going to give the pop effect so that at any time he wants to, he can just kind of press the button and take care of that guy if he feels like he needs to. Is it like incredibly localized? who knows we <laughs> <laughs> so it's i mean if they're the babies are in the office with that guy so essentially that's signing yourself up for five child child murder if nothing else oh, so geez yeah it's gonna get real real ugly real fast and then and, um,
1: you, and so where'd you guys leave it
0: we left it with uh everybody had made their decision about where they were gonna go and how they were gonna do it and then the enforcer and God Sasha were getting ready to go uh enact the night of violence um and see where things went after that and so i kind of said wow. okay we're not going to get into this this time but next yeah. time the powder kegs about to go off so yeah. things are probably going to end pretty explosively and pretty quickly yeah i think in the next session or two it's
1: going to be one of those um classic uh Kind of like John Woo standoffs, uh, vampire style. Yeah,
0: it ended very World of Darkness. I didn't set out for it to be a World of Darkness, <laughs> but this is like classic uh, World of Darkness. I guess
1: you got to do what you know. You know what you do, what you know. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's cool. Yeah, Sounds so good. That's,
0: that's kind of how that's ending. And then um,
1: I bet it's not anything like that other Mutant Year Zero
0: game that's going on at the store. Oh, probably not anything like that other game. I, I can pretty much guarantee that.
1: Yeah. Which but I think uh, is cool because yeah, it's, it's cool. a little different. How did the guys who were new feel about the experience? Did they say anything? Or were they,
0: <laughs> you got like, this look on your they, face? They, they, they were giving each other these looks that, like all the time where they just kind of look at each other, give each other a strange look, or they'd like look at each other and then smile and start laughing. And uh, I, It seemed like they were into it. It seemed like they were having a fun time. I, I don't think it's what they expected. I don't think they've played a game like this. Right, um, where there's so much player agency, and I don't think they've played a game where the players are because it was when everybody started trying to to undercut everybody else that that they started just getting this look on their face, like, "What the hell is going on here? What is happening?"
1: Yeah, when you do like heroic role playing, you're it's, it's like you're not supposed to do that, right? right. Like if somebody does that, then everybody just like calls timeout, and They're like, "Wait, what are you doing, dude?" Yeah,
0: dude, you got you you got putting be a team. bomb in an office full of babies. So, you, uh, yeah, dude, I man. mean, yeah, that's what we're doing. Yeah, so. You know, welcome. Yeah, <laughs> welcome to Full Metal RPG, suckers. I wonder doors I wo- locked from the inside. <laughs> I hope they. I hope they enjoy it. Yeah, hope they enjoyed it. I hope so too. hope they come back. Yeah, we'll see if they come back. You know, maybe they will. Maybe they won't. It seems like people have been coming back, so I'm not. Yeah, know. I mean, Joe was pretty new, and he didn't really know anything about it. He came back, so if
1: we keep getting that kind of turnout, we're going to get another GM. We are crazy, to. but yeah. I want to see us get that level another couple times.
0: Yeah, before we worry about it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's been great. We've got the zines that gun out, and then I'm starting writing on the next one. And I'm going to try to do uh, more art for this one. I'm trying to get mine to be a little more punk rock, um, a little more zine like a little more 70s style kind of thing going on. Um, and then we've got Phoenix Comic Con coming up, where we'll be oh, doing. Oh, yeah. Happy Time Dungeon Hour, live role-playing, if Once you're into again. that.
1: Come down and see us make fools of ourselves.
0: It's gonna be great.
1: Yes. Uh, you know what'd be rad is if our friends from the Phoenix metro area, who are probably gonna be at this Phoenix Comic Con thing anyway, because it seems like there's a lot of people who go to this thing, right? Yeah, there are. It's, it would be super rad if you came down and watched us make fools of ourselves. Because yeah. I mean, seriously, it's it, we it can't sucks take talking ourselves. talking to an empty room. Yeah, it really does. It's it, you know, it's much easier if there's somebody there. Yeah. Weirdly. I guess you get to a certain point with like the public speaking where you want
0: people to be there I don't know you can pretend that we're like discount Matt Mercer if that helps you how's that all. how are they have to pretend uh yeah true they <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't have to pretend yeah, that's, not, that's not a that's a huge stretch actually, like an elevation of, of yeah. our game is to call us discount Matt Mercer it's, yeah <laughs> it's <laughs> like crack house Matt Mercer is maybe what yeah we're, there, what we're we aiming for.
1: there we go for that we should re- we should rename it from happy time dungeon yeah. hour to
0: that to crack house Matt Mercer yeah hour. yeah it'll yeah. work yeah yeah so yeah, we're going to be doing that, and I'll be running a few games at that. So come on out and see us. That'll come on, be yeah. in a couple weeks.
1: That's uh the weekend of the 24th or some shit, right?
0: Yeah, it's in place of our normal FMRPG Friday night. Yeah, man. Plan, so. we are going to get to do
1: a RPG Club, and then the next the next RPG Club, which is like the second week of June, I'm going to be in Los Angeles. So um. Yep, I'll be if, holding it down by myself. If you are a Los Angeles listener... And you want to hang with me and a couple other RPG guys? Or I'm not dropping any names here because I'm not going to. But I've talked to some of my friends in the RPG world in Los Angeles, and we're gonna be getting together for some for some beers. And so, if you want in on that, give me a holler on the you know the email or whatever and let me know what your availability is, and we're going to try and get something together so that all the FMRPG guys can get together. And gals, FMRPG people, people, we can all get together and enjoy some uh, community time.
0: Oh, yeah, cool. Um, have you been collecting anything new?
1: Adam, I'm so glad you asked, because... <laughs> oh, like a stormbringer! King oh, Cray. buddy, I did one of those things where I bought a bunch of role playing books. Mm. Um. Okay, so let me just—I I had to write them down. All the oh ones my I, God, all the he's got I, a list. All the ones I bought <laughs> since the last time we did this. Okay. <clears throat> all right. What did I um, oh, dude? Okay, so a bunch of these were deals. All right. So I got a, a copy of uh the the guide to the Sabbath. <laughs> okay, for third edition revised. Okay. And I got it real cheap. And you want to know why I got it? Because, yeah, I'm
0: real curious, because I don't remember it being good.
1: <laughs> it's not super great. However, on the front, there's this picture of this, like, sabbat dude, who I think they probably think is, like, a gangrel or whatever, and he's got this, like, trucker cap, and then, like, this mid-length long hair and a Cause big it's, beard. Because it's like
0: a triptych, right? It's, like, Lucita, Vycos, and then the, the trucker dude with the with the Vazid, like, war ghoul behind yeah. him, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I'm like, you know, I have inadvertently started looking like this guy. And I, I want, I, I seriously was just like, I want to take a picture of it and put it on my, like, Facebook profile or something oh, and be I like. I could
0: have just given, like, brought the book over. You could have taken a picture. Because I still have Yeah, album. but it's like, it was like five bucks. Oh, so, oh I mean, yeah. Like, then, yeah, that, that's not, that's yeah, worth it. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, worth it to have. Like, the art's really gorgeous in it. I love yeah, the art in the revised okay. stuff. Art's not bad. I think the art's good in the revised stuff. It's just the content I'm kind of. Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: I'm not, I dude, I, I seriously, like, took it out of the, the, um, bubble bag that mm-hmm. got shipped in and i showed it to heather and i was like hey look it's me and she's like you're not that fat or something like that <laughs> she said that and uh, i was just like okay all right and i went and put it on the shelf um then i got a uh, trail of cthulhu cthulhu city wow. okay you want to hear a funny story Isn't so it just
0: relay cthulhu thi- city like that's that's cthulhu city right uh
1: it's, like that's was, the
0: sunken city he lives in. Well, no, it's not that. Oh, okay, all right. No, is that what you thought it was? Well, because that's what it, when you say like Cthulhu City, I, that's what I think of is the sunken city of Relay, where dead Cthulhu lights dreaming, and it's like that's. But this is just like a city that someone named Cthulhu City. What, what's or?
1: what's cool? It's okay. It's super fucking weird. I I had this idea that it was basically a New York sourcebook. I think it was kind of like uh like if you want to play in New York it's just a sort of, like a like a city book like a right. Splat book right and uh so i picked this thing up and i know uh, so i signed up to run games at gen con so i'll be at gen con this year you and i'll be there yep where we're be running i'm gonna be running games for i'm Pelgring. gonna be running
0: all my stuff off the books so
1: so so i'm gonna be doing four games for Palgrain and i put the schedule that i have on um facebook if you want to check it out but i was looking through their offering, so they just want you to run little modules right and like a, bu- a number of them said cthulhu city on them and i was like huh that's weird like why do they need separate modules to just run it in new york and they all had these kind of noiry kind of like like themes to them and i was like all right whatever and so i signed up to run one i was like cool i guess i should like you know order the book so i have it no you know i have all the stuff right so I got the book, I flipped through it, and it's not what I thought at all. It's actually this completely different way of running Trail of Cthulhu. It's like almost practically like a different game. It's like if somebody said, oh, we're playing Vampire the Masquerade, but we're going to do a Sabbath Chronicle, where you're like, you are like, unless you've read that book, you have no fucking clue what they're talking about. You can be like, oh, yeah, Vampire, but it's, you don't know what the fuck they're talking about, you know? Right. So um, the, the way that it works is you're in this weird city. It's like a metropolis that isn't on maps right you like wake up in this weird city that's as big as new york but it's not on a map and it's um it's uh, like an inverse reality in which the mythos is the predominant form of of reality and people who are working against the mythos are in the position of the cultists where they have to work in kind of like an underground and they have to be like in secret you know And so like the buildings don't have windows and everybody's just walking around like their eyes all glazed over and like this fucking clouds have like weird shapes in them. And like there's like ships in the harbor that have like strange people kind of like on the decks and stuff. And it's like super trippy and like mega dark. It's and it's. And I gotta say, dude, it's got these these awesome maps on the inside for what Cthulhu, Cthulhu City or whatever it looks like. There's all these districts where it's like like Arkham District and like the Meat Packing District and all this creepy shit. And it's like fucking rad. It's a fucking rad book. But now I've got to essentially like read this thing super fast and get conversant in it, and then like run the prepackaged scenarios that they sent me. They did send me the PDFs for oh, okay. them so that I can be. Ready to
0: run games, Sounds kind of like wraith a little bit. Yeah, it's kind of wraithish. It's it's like k- when you are talking the ships in the harbor and the buildings have yeah. windows in the districts. So I was like wraith, wraith, wraith. Sounds like wraith.
1: It's uh, it's like um, it's written by the guy who wrote Eyes of the Stone Thief.
0: So, oh, it's, so it's got a good pedigree.
1: It's got a great pedigree. And let me tell you, I'll, I'll show you the book after we're done recording, but, like, dude, it is, r- it's really
0: good. It sounds cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. Like, like, you know that, like, something's wrong. Like, you know something's wrong, but, like, everyone around you doesn't and all the people that are around you like like if you're like how do i get to massachusetts from here they'll be like oh yeah you just take the road and, you know. but nobody ever leaves the city you know and if you try to leave the city you like mysteriously end up back there i mean it's like you, you could do a thing i think they might have thought about I, I don't know this for a fact i'm sort of you know this is some supposition here but you could i think you could just say it's carcosa like really easily yeah. and like and, and make it that if or you want to city yeah, it, it's a lot like Dark City. It's got that vibe out, to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's cool as fuck. That sounds I'll, cool. And I'll be running that at um, Gen Con. Awesome. What else do I get? Um, you know what? Okay, so I've been like fiending on Ken St. Andre books lately. <laughs> I love that Ken St. Andre writing. What can I say? Um, so I picked up a copy of Tunnels and Trolls. And um, I got I got this weird edition of it. It's like this this thing called a Corgi Edition. There was this there was this company in England that was trying to make books that would kind of compete with the Fighting Fantasy books in the UK in the 1980s. So it's like a um, role playing system that's in like a a novel a novel format like book, right? And you flip, and you read through it, and it's like a rule book still, but it feels like a novel in your hands. Huh, okay. Um, And so, I've been kind of exploring that because what people who... I learned this through the Grognard Files. I did not understand this. But one of the things that people who don't read Tunnels and Trolls, like, fail to understand, I guess, is that Ken St. Andre is, in fact, this, like, brilliant game designer who essentially, in, like, the late 70s, early 80s, invented contemporary role-playing like 30, 40 years before its time. And because the game that he wrote Contemporary Role Playing 4 never took off in the same way that D&D did, a lot of the innovations that he created just kind of went unnoticed for decades. And now people are like writing all this stuff that he thought of like decades ago and they're calling it new. It's not like they read Tunnels and Trolls and ripped it off, but you can find all these ideas in this old-ass fucking tome, and it's so crazy, because it's, I mean, like, one of the things you have to understand about, like, the early D&D books is that Gygax was maniacal about writing how you should, quote-unquote, play D&D in the books, He'd be like, "You gotta do it like this. You gotta do it like that." And he would actually write sentences that would say, "And if you don't do it like that, then you're doing it wrong." And the GM right. needs to impose order and impose control and there's all this stuff. There's A
0: lot of that in books where you read, like, "Oh, examples of play where they
1: well, I mean, there's walk a di-
0: you through. This is how this is, it, and it, it they may not be trying to tell you how to play the game, but it definitely sets an expectation or framework. And this is how the game flows if you've never played before.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there's a like a a, a, a difference between. Giving an example to illustrate something, and then just direct. telling people this is how it is. Yeah, having this very authoritarian idea about how to how the game should be played. Anyhoozies, um, Kenzie and Andre was like apparently like one of the first guys, if not the first guy, to write in a book. Uh, if the rules don't work, it doesn't matter. It's your game. Just make something up. <laughs> and you read these old books, and they are so they're so refreshing, and they're so vital and new, and they're so cool. Um, so I'm really digging that tunnels and trolls right now. Cool. Um then I bought dude, I seriously I bought three fucking Stormbringer books, okay? And I'll just run through them real quick because we've this has been going on for a minute. I got um Stormbringer 4th edition. Okay, because once you have once you start collecting Stormbringers, you gotta collect more Stormbringers. They're of like course. Pokemon. You gotta catch them all, right? Of course. Um then I got Rogue Mistress for Stormbringer, which is like a big, fat uh, adventure that, like, it's like, it's not really an adventure. It's more like a campaign. You run the whole thing as a campaign. It's almost like an adventure path before there's adventure paths. And then I got the um, Mongoose Publishing version of Elric, which... Um actually you need like the rune quest 2 rules to run so it's basically just like it's kind of like if you were to buy the chronicles of darkness book but you, then you can't play vampire you know what i'm saying Right. or i mean you need you need you need you need the chronicles of darkness in order to, right. to play so you vampire. Bought vampire
0: the requiem but you don't have chronicles of darkness so yeah exactly it's like oh i need the core book to understand anything that's in this book and what's Which interesting you don't anymore cuz then that's like one big fat vampire. Nah, book.
1: now it's a big fat book. <laughs> but um it's interesting is the mongoose edition is like reviled by Fans of the Chaosium Elric material, uh, even though the the line developer is one of the original guys from the Chaosium world, he's just porting over his his experience into a different company. And um, thus far, I have no problem with it. Like I've flipped through it, and it's actually a really good world guide. It's like a really strong piece of source material for running the game. It's just, I mean, it's not It's not incredibly exciting. It doesn't have anything new in it that you don't essentially already own in a certain way, you know? So, I mean, but, I mean what do you expect, man? It's like they've just been reiterating on that game for something like, I don't know, the first one came out in 81. Yeah. It's been a while, you know? Anyway, so that's what I got lately,
0: man. What did you get? Um, Really, the only book I bought lately is Death Watch because I love Death death watch well you
1: you've got the um the, codex. the actual the actual the 40k codex, codex. codex
0: i've had the death watch game for a long time and yeah. i will never find a group that i can run it for which is fine um <laughs> it's all good i will never run black crusade for much the same reason but i have it and I'd i played black crusade that game's fucking rad i love both of them i love death watch and i love black crusade and i just like big hulk and dudes and power armor um noted But yeah, so I got the Death Watch book and I just, I'm super, I like the lore of the Death Watch. I like the idea of the Death Watch. To me, the Death Watch are what the Space Marines should be. I don't think there should be Space Marines. I think all Space Marines should operate like the Death Watch. Small units inserted in to like deal with a specific problem and then you boogie out of there and the IG mops up everything else. Like I, the idea of like standing Space Marine armies has always kind of sat wrong with me. I I, I, don't think I that, like them as more just like fire teams.
1: I just really don't think that the 40K like universe holds up well under close
0: scrutiny. No, it doesn't. But I like Death Watch for the reason that I feel like it operates the way that the space Marines should operate.
1: Remember when there was that time when everybody was like, oh, every legion of of space Marines has 10,000 guys in it. Remember that? And it's 1,000. A 1,000 a guys? That's yeah,
0: 1,000... Space Marines (laughs) per... No,
1: but uh, they've actually retconned that, so it's not that anymore, because it doesn't make any sense. Like how there could be like a thousand dudes holding down the galaxy, you know? Well, it's a
0: thousand per chapter, right?
1: Yeah, and then there's only like six chapters, you know?
0: Yeah, but then it's like you send like three Terminators in and then they clear out a Space Hulk. But they don't! Yeah, that's the problem, is the game doesn't reflect the lore or the fluff. Yeah. Because the fluff is completely different, and the fluff, like a five-man squad of Space Marines, can take on like a Space Orc army and be okay but they've been changing the fluff to like to match the game yeah right, so now right. there's
1: like scads and scads of space marines everywhere right
0: and it's never worked that way even as far back as rogue trader like a, a unit of space marines could not take on like an interminable tide of green skins it yeah, just wouldn't work but in
1: rogue trader the, the the initial mission that they give you is a bunch of space marines defending a
0: farm like yeah so why would
1: a space marine give a shit about a farm
0: I think the idea was it was more starship troopers and less what it turned into but <laughs> yeah it, makes so, no sense. No, it doesn't make any sense but I love death watch I love the look I love the feel I love the lore so I got the death watch book and Sweet. then I went over and I picked up the Conan book and I put it back and I went over later and I picked up the Conan book and I put it back and then I went back over and I picked up the Conan book and I flipped through it and I put it back and I didn't get it but I've been <laughs> looking at the Conan book so. it I, just sounds like it's a matter of time is what I'm hearing yeah I love Conan so I just really oh man the, the Conan novels that is um, so funny little novellas and stuff they're really what, great and what, so.
1: you love Conan I love Elric
0: there you they're,
1: go they're like two sides of the same coin so interesting
0: I couldn't talk anyone to playing the last edition of Conan because I was playing with D&D guys. And they were like, when do I buy magic items? And I was like, there's no magic items in Conan. And they were like, well, I have these gold coins. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's actually a system called High Living where like you, you fritter those away. Like you spend them on on ale and and women and all these other, and they're just like, Well what's the point of the game? And I was like, The point of the game is to go get more coins so you can <laughs> yeah. go out and do more high living. Like that's what Conan like are you unfamiliar yeah. with who Conan is? Have you heard of this like, comic book, for instance, called Conan? Right, or just the Howard novels, the yeah, original there's ones. Those. And it's just it's like this is what Conan is. Conan is is about you're a guy with a sword, and then there's a weird monster thing, but you don't care about it because you're a barbarian, so you kill it. You know what I mean? It's just, it's not. Conan's not what I call a real bright guy initially. He eventually becomes one because you go through. Does Conan, he become the bright? He does. Or is he just cunning? King. He becomes Conan What's the, the di- King. I
1: mean, is he a cunning king? Or is he a. He ain't Solomon. No, but right? he outwits
0: his opponents and stuff. and yeah, he, he's cunning. Yeah, I guess it's just cunning. But he eventually, like, he goes on a journey because he becomes a thief and a pirate. You know, and then he becomes a like a general and he becomes a king. So he does have this narrative arc that's kind of the opposite of Elric's arc. Like Conan and Elric, I think, are stories told in opposite directions, right?
1: That's exactly 100% true.
0: And so, um, but Conan becomes, you know, a king and a powerful king and a leader among men. And it's just, it's like, that's the whole arc that you're going for is you're going to start out a barbarian. And then eventually all these, you will know, progress through as the story goes. But yeah, no one was interested in it, but... The new one has the conan the barbarian and conan the you know conan the thief and i think there's one for conan the conqueror and then
1: oh there's those source books yeah those are source books for like different like modes for different of periods play.
0: of conan's life and, oh interesting yeah so it yeah and what, you know, is he if in you the read game the stuff, they're they're interesting to read i hope not i wouldn't put in my games so i just yeah. kind of run it as like a low magic barbarian type of setting yeah but, um yeah, if you read the Conan books, they're still really good. There's some problematic content as there are with many authors of that time period, but hmm. um,
1: There's problematic content with you know, authors of this time
0: this period. This time period too. You know? Yeah, mean, but it's like it's I still what, really, it's what you want to do with it. It's not as bad as Lovecraft, but I feel like it holds up very well. Um and I still love that. Like I still have many collected editions of Conan on my shelf. I still have a bunch of the Dark Horse Conan comics that are that hue more or less to what the books are and so i'll probably end up getting it eventually.
1: never read any of the howard books it's probably like people all freaking out as i say that um i doubt I, it i just read the marvel comics when i was a kid loved them remember how they were in those big magazine yeah, sizes the,
0: yeah the huge magazine sizes. Could, they were black and white on the inside that was the, actually my introduction to alien comics was i got these big ones from the uk yeah that were magazine, sized magazine size magazine size ones, were ones. big giant Alien comics, and I was like, I've never seen anything like this. The,
1: like, inking on the inside was done in this way that was, like, so visceral and, like, like, gritty, you know? No color. It's just all this. you You had to impose all of it with your mind, and then, like, all the blood was painted black. Remember right. that, and then the Conan ones—he'd just be like walking through rooms, like slicing
0: people to bits.
1: Yeah. They had that great way of drawing faces. Anyway, never it's mind. Very it. similar to the alien I ones. I could go they were black on. Black and
0: white, and they had the black blood, and they mm-hmm. were very grim and gritty and grotesque. And I mean, I was reading them at like a like Whoa. eleven and twelve years old, and just going like,
1: ah. You can get around the fucking comics code back then by having black blood, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, but the, the, like, it's just like all the morality puritan sensor types they're they're all like oh well don't color the blood red but then it's like it makes it somehow worse to make it black because then it gives it gives you a canvas upon which your mind can paint you know i mean i remember i remember being a little kid reading those goddamn conan comics in the backseat of my, my parents car and just be like getting queasy i mean queasy while i was reading them. like oh my god <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So what do you think, man? Is it break time? It is break time. What's, what's it say on that sheet? Is it break time?
0: It's break time. That's we're good. Do a little break. We're going to come back. We've got contest winners. Oh, Jesus. And a review.
1: Oh, my God. So and, sit tight. And we seriously only have like 10 minutes worth of show left, too. So right. we're going to have to bust this thing out. All right. We'll be back in a second. Late. Later. Welcome back from that break, Full Metal RPG, and we now have the winners of our contests. Adam, what do you think, dude? Did some people win some books or what? Some people won some books. Dude, so we had
0: three so many people's won some three books. So many fucking books to give away. We did. We've got more to give away in the future. So oh stay my god! Tuned, the, there's a pile I'm looking at right now. I'm literally looking at a pile of books. We have a pile of books to give away, guys. So.
1: And more to come. So, Adam, um, why don't we start with those books that uh, Diogo gave away for his Instagram right. contest?
0: It's true. Diogo was running an Instagram contest for his new game that he's putting out, Solar Blades and Cosmic Spells. Right. So, there were two prizes, a grand prize and a runner-up prize. We'll do the runner-up prize as is traditional in these kind of formats. The sharp swords and sinister spells and the addendum goes to the Matt Shipman at the Matt Shipman. Congratulations, Matt.
1: What up,
0: Matt? You are the the runner-up winner.
1: You are the runner-up winner. You get a hard copy version of sharp swords and sinister spells and the addendum shipped to you. Free of charge, my friend. Get at me with your address so we can get that into the mail to you right away.
0: And that brings us to the grand prize. Ooh. Solar Blades and Cosmic Spells Hard Cover Limited Edition. Adam, did you say Limited Edition? I said Hard Cover Limited Edition.
1: Oh, my God. It's
0: limited. I'm all aflutter. Oh, dude. Who... Uh, I'm just... Oh, okay. Go ahead. Who won? Are you ready for this? I'm ready for this. Moreno Pedrinzani at Moreno.sun. You're the winner. You're the winner! Hit us up. Let us know where to send that.
1: I have this feeling like this is going to be an international mail situation. <laughs> Potentially. Now, that's not out yet. The book it is... It is not out yet. The so book you're going to have to wait produced. a little bit
0: for that one. But after yeah. it's produced, yeah. it'll go and, right to you.
1: And good job, by the way, to both Matt Shipman and uh, Moreno before for being able to... Both like the picture, and then subsequently followed Diogo because, and I just want—I'm just gonna say these haunting words: there were people who were eliminated from winning the prize because they did not follow the instructions. I'm
0: sorry, guys. And you they, had that they didn't follow Diogo. You exactly got to follow Diogo. They didn't follow Diogo. If you're not Diogo. following Diogo, what are you doing with your life? wasting it. it dude, I would submit.
1: Dude, it, it's like it's seriously one of the best Instagrams currently on Instagram. Yeah. I love that Instagram. Yep. How do you think I find You're out about a gaming everything?
0: Connoisseur. You should be following Diogo. Got to follow Diogo, guys. And that brings us to the FMRPG monthly giveaway. We had to do this one a little quick. There was a <laughs> kind of a speed timer on this one there if was. you got in on it. Uh, congratulations. There was. All of our Patreons... Above the five dollar level, five,
1: 5 5 and
0: above, yeah, five and above were automatically entered.
1: Automatically entered, guys. The the benefits of membership, and the prize was a copy of Fantasy Age, by Chris Promise, and it was donated to us for this by the purpose. Game
0: Depot in Tempe, Arizona, McClintock and Southern, which
1: is where we have the Full Metal RPG PG Gaming Club. Yeah, you coincidentally, catch us there all the time. That's where
0: I bought Death Watch. So, yeah we're, we're there. down there
1: yeah so check it out that's where we play our games that's where we buy our books uh game depot in tempe arizona sponsors of with with full metal rpg so adam tell tell me adam i'm breathless with, it, with anticipation who won
0: fantasy age by chris promise i swear we didn't rig this Diogo Nogueira,
1: you're the winner. Uh, <laughs> it's getting shipped to Brazil.
0: We're sending you a copy of Fantasy Age, and again, we does no shenanigans going on yeah. here. That's just how it worked out. <laughs> that so was, Diogo giveaway gave away two books, and the universe answered him by giving him a book back. Yes, it did. The it tide did. goes in, the tide goes out. You can't explain that. <laughs> you you can't, can't explain that. You cannot.
1: Um, I will say that that uh, a incredibly scientific numerical method was created by me and uh a world-class randomizer was instituted and uh this is what it gave us so diogo congratulations you're getting a copy of fantasy age in the mail we're going to ship it to you with your hard copies of survivalism and horrorism thank you for supporting uh Thank you for supporting Full Metal RPG with your uh, monthly Patreon don- donation. We we love you, and we couldn't do it without you.
0: That brings us to our next segment: review time. Brendan, oh you're on God. deck. What do you got for us, Adam?
1: This week i got a really long review, guys. It's um, I'm gonna be reviewing uh a game that 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 I love. It's called Stormbringer First Edition. So, you know, I hope that you're, like, driving somewhere um, because this review is going to be a little bit longer than usual one. So, without any further ado, a few weeks ago, my friend Adam Sink bought me a copy of Stormbringer First Edition that he found on the shelf of a used bookstore for $15. Knowing that I was in the midst of collecting a mammoth Stormbringer collection, he had texted me asking if I wanted him to pick it up on my behalf. I demurred because I was saving money for Gen Con. Adam, the sport that he has picked it up anyway as a gift. I sure am glad that he did. Stormbringer is set in the world of the Young Kingdoms, the place where the Elric portion of Michael Moorcock's Eternal Champion cycle of novels is set. It deals with a failing empire in conflict with nascent powers and the fate of tragic figures driving this world into an apocalypse that has been foreseen but which the characters are powerless to prevent. The 144-page softcover book is actually the manual that came inside the first edition Stormpringer box set. This was published in 1981 by Chaosium and is written by old-school role-playing luminaries Ken St. Andre and Steve Perrin. The art for the book is wonderfully evocative and composed by Frank Brunner. The copy Anna found for me was Sands Box Set, which is why it was priced so attainably. The box set comes with a fold-out map of Michael Moorcock's Young Kingdoms and some play aids, but everything you need to play the game is contained inside the covers of the manual. Additionally, I have like four other versions of the Stormbringer RPGs, some up to my eyeballs and maps of the Young Kingdoms anyway. Now, I could get into a whole screed on the differences between this edition and any other. Some of those differences are big, some are nuanced, but they are beyond the scope of this review. My purpose here is to inspire you to go on eBay immediately and hunt up a copy of the first edition Stormbringer, regardless of his condition, regardless of whether it has the box and the dice and all that crap. But in order to go forward, I have to go back a little further first. See all of this was presaged to me by none other than Sunderland's resident wizard Jamie over a year ago on Instagram. Jamie owns and operates Coliseum Rex in Sunderland, and I'm sure you've heard me talk about him before. But in case you haven't, I'll catch you up. I met Jamie on Instagram back in 2014 at the time we would just talk about role-playing games that captured our imagination he lived in the UK I lived in LA as the years passed Jamie has constantly challenged my perceptions of role-playing and pushed me to explore more and be open to new ideas as a thinker and a student of tabletop gaming he's always about a year ahead of me I find it incredibly vexing but if past precedent is any kind of future predictor whatever Jamie is up to now I will be fatting on and then binging in about twelve to fifteen months. One day on Insta he called out my love of the OSR movement directly. I wish I could find the quote, but his point was simply do we even need an OSR movement when there are so many when there are so many great old games laying around waiting to be rediscovered and played? Of course, even after spirited a spirited round of debate with him, I still believe that new blood exhuming old ideas and breathing new life into them is a necessary force in the role-playing community and an objective good. I don't think the brilliance of Diogo Nogueira's Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells or James Vale's Zoss or Kala would be with us if we didn't have people looking back in order to find the way forward. I will say that Jamie's argument opened my mind to take a deeper look at games that had more or less run their course by the time I was discovering the hobby in the very late 80s and the early 90s. So that brings us to Storm Ringer First Edition. I started reading it as a lark. There was something about the way the high weight pages of the manual felt in my hand that took me back to my teenage days when I would spend all day on the weekends or when school was just not in session, draped across a couch, reading a soft cover vampire manual. Seized by this nostalgia, I began to read the book carefully from the inside cover and fell in love with a brilliant and beautiful game that, as far as I am concerned, never got the attention or the lifespan it deserved. Now, this is part of the review where we usually start breaking things down into bullet points, pros, and cons. I'm going to forego that tradition for this game because I don't think that kind of binary thinking serves old-school games very well. There are aspects of this game that some people will delight in, those same aspects will make others climb the walls with frustration. I will say this is a downside. Stormbringer books are very difficult to get a hold of. In the last years since I have been serious about collecting them, I have noticed that their prices have risen sharply, and they were not cheap to begin with. If you are a compulsive collector of things of beauty, consider this before starting down the path of collecting Stormbringer. You cannot have just one. You cannot have just one core book, one edition, or one source book. Once you have partaken of this game, you have no choice but to have them all, and some pieces will come at a great cost. So, character creation in Stormbringer should really be called the character lottery. It's clear that Saint Ken St. Andre didn't have balance on his mind when he was writing this game. And on some level, that's fine. The algorithm cycle of novels doesn't have much to do with balance. The central protagonist of the novels is the monarch of one of the world's greatest empires, and he spends the entire time in the novels chumming around with everyone, from scum-of-the-earth adventurers to merchant princes to everyone in between. Indeed, a very small percentage of the characters in the Storm Pringle game will be mind-bendingly powerful. They will harness the power of demons, slay anyone who dares to stand against them, and carve the history of the Young Kingdoms. Everyone else will pale in comparison— to their raw power. Now, as I said, some players will embrace this Winds of Fate style of role-playing. Others will reject it. The Stormbringer system is sort of weirdly mathy. There are times when I marvel at simple elegance, other times when I wonder why anybody would bother with this. Overall, I found it to be really fun, at least on paper. I haven't had a chance to run this thing yet. There's lots of unique subsystems that deal with fractions that at times I found to be tedious and burdensome. But there were subsystems that got no constraints at all, like the winged men of Mer's ability to fly without defined restrictions, which I thought was just amazing. Combining both the idea of subsystems and power level, a huge part of the sorcery section of the book details systems that no player character will ever have a chance to use. The magic of the Elric universe is arbitrated by demons. Humans have no ability to wield magic on their own and must impose on bound demons to borrow their power. Still, the ability to bind demons is so rare, difficult, and risky, it's unlikely that a PC will ever get to have this experience. The rules seem like they were included largely to cover NPCs, but Ken Andre doesn't tell us this until the very end of the magic system. So I've heard that there can be weird problems with this version of the game where people are binding demons in every damned thing in hope of getting bonuses out of them, which is clearly against the intention of the book, although there are no rules prohibiting it. I guess it's one of those classic John Wick situations where the rules end up defining the incentives of the players. All in all, I can't really say how much I love Stormbringer as a game, the first edition in particular. I could go on and on, but this review has already been our longest yet, so I won't. I have some guys on deck to play, and now that I'm reading the book, I'm stoked to start the process of putting together an adventure and setting a date to journey to the young kingdoms. Meanwhile, while I love Moorcock and his novels, make the perfect accompaniment to this game, they are not a prerequisite. I would highly recommend Stormbringer first edition to any OSR player for its dark feel, its grit, and its fatality. I'd recommend it for its baroque magic system, its strange creatures, its exotic lands, and its prevailing sense of doom. Warhammer Fantasy roleplay tried to capture what Stormbringer had already created, hopeless adventures in a doomed world. But Stormbringer did it first, and I think it did it better jamie had it right in a certain way and i encouraged my fellow osr throat slashers to get out there and find a copy of stormbringer first edition for their collections sounds good
0: stormbringer it's a good game man totally play again and i wouldn't even be upset if i rolled up another pig farmer
1: you know <laughs> first of all that was quorum totally different man kidding it's very similar and but it does take it plays in different universe yeah no I know and and, and 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 you can play a farmer you can you can roll a farmer in first edition uh uh Stormbringer, but this the farmer is not just like com- completely useless or like somehow completely uninteresting when compared against the other people that are that you could easily roll in Stormbringer. what's mm-hmm. what's, what's funny right is Ken St. Andre he puts on the table for starting characters, there's this possibility of becoming a beggar, right? And then if you, but if you roll the beggar, he actually writes in the class description, oh, if you rolled this, just roll again. You don't want to play this, <laughs> right? <laughs> he goes, he goes, and then if you do choose to want to play it, well, that's your problem. Right. Like God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> Why is it
0: in there then? I guess. I is guess the question. This is for
1: NPCs, there's this strange kind of way that the table is set up. Where, I mean, it's it's, it's just in... Because the book came out in 1981. So, there's, there's an interesting logic that prevails in it. Where the spread of characters that you can roll for... Because you have to roll for them. There's no choosing. I guess I should have said that in the review. Anyway, you have to roll for your characters. Um
0: and uh yeah, do i need a table to tell me that this npc is a bit be- like i just make the npc a beggar if i need the npc to be a beggar i guess yeah that's, that's right? the weird thing like I, why is that in there just throw I, it out just get rid of it i mean the thing is is i thought
1: like oh well if there was gonna be a game master's section that had like a bunch of npcs or whatever first of all you think the NPCs would be easier to roll like because the, the 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 character creation on stormbringer i think can be kind of time consuming but uh
0: yeah it's just like oh you're a beggar don't play the beggar. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, okay, okay, but now that I think about it, like in mutineer Zero, there's the boss, and I really didn't want anyone playing a boss in that game either, because it's just. Would it have been cool if they did. I, I don't know. It, I I think you'd spend so because they delegate and they spend so much time in the arc, they wouldn't. They'd have no reason to really go out into the zone with the other people, and so it was one of those things. I was looking at it and I was going, "Why is this a player character type?" But. Just didn't make sense to me. So I guess I, maybe that's a problem that hasn't been solved yet. I end up liking the disbalance that's in
1: Stormbringer. I think that it's really interesting. If you the Elric himself spent so much time like hanging out with like weirdos and miscreants and degenerates that um I think it makes perfect sense.
0: I think to our modern sensibilities, yes, but I can remember that period, like back when we first played Quorum, where we were very much trad gamers, Yeah, that sort of thing really would have rubbed us the wrong way, because we'd have been like, why is this guy so much better than the... You know what I mean? And, and I mean, it's less of an issue now, but I can definitely see that grinding on some people a little bit, you know, just kind of kind of being like, I don't know about that. At the end of the day, like, all Elric characters
1: are so, like frail that um, unless you're uh, if, if you win the character lottery mm-hmm. and you are playing essentially a melanbonean sorcerer and like you have really high stats so you like right out of the gate you can start binding demons into armor and into weapons then you're going to be on this crazy exponential growth curve where it's almost like the GM is saying to you oh we're playing a vampire and you get to play an elder and all the rest of your neonates right and then that's the game that you're playing. Everybody has to be kind of, like, okay with that. But even if that's happening, like, early on, there's the possibility that the fucking sorcerer could just get hit by something and then just die. Dies, like, yeah. just outright. You know what I'm saying? So it, it, it takes it takes the sorcerer a minute to kind of, like, defeat the curve, you know, a little bit. And in the meantime, you have to be, like, incredibly savvy. I've listened to guys on podcasts talk about like playing this game as campaigns and they're like, and they all talk about how it's not really a good campaign game because everybody just dies all the time,
0: you know? Anyway. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I, it sounds a lot to me like just those level zero DCC characters. That's OSR, man. I'm a farmer and maybe I live and maybe I die.
1: Yeah. in, In Elric, you have to both roll for your, um, uh, your ethnic your ethnicity, and for your class. All right, so you start out rolling for ethnicity, and then that creates a subtable where you roll for your class based on on what ethnicity you rolled. And there's there's literally these guys who are barbarians from a country called Oin. Okay, and they are like they're like proto humans. They <laughs> they take huge penalties to their intel their intelligence, and um and uh, you you're basically like playing a guy who can barely form like simple sentences. Like that's your character is you're like this guy who's not even really capable of like fully communicating with his fellow party members. Right. And then in the same party you could have a guy who has wings and like just flies around. You know what I'm saying? This like so so. There's these crazy challenges that are put in front of each player as they are playing the game. I mean I didn't think that the. Uh, Beggar was a bad class. I mean, I looked at the way Ken St. Andre writes it, and he clearly stacks the deck against the Beggar. But I'm like, who gives a fuck? This is rad. I would love to play a Beggar in, in Stormbringer, at least until he dies, yeah. you know?
0: <laughs> it should be soon.
1: I mean, I think part of the fun is trying to see how long you can play him. Yeah. You know? Like, how long does this guy last? Because it's a percentile-based system. And so, for instance, you're fighting his monsters, right? And they all get, like, 70% chance of hitting. I'm a fucking beggar, <laughs> you know? Like, a fucking dragon or something. They have stats for the dragon in there. And if he, like, if he hits you with his breath, breath weapon, it's, like, 96 damage. I mean, you're fucking toast. You're, you're
0: done. See, that's interesting, because a lot of these sound like complaints that I've heard people have against games like Dark Heresy. Where they're like, oh, in Dark Heresy, it's a percentile system. I have to roll to put on pants, and I fail. Meanwhile, these chaos demons are, like, unstoppable booby, And I'm like, well, yeah, you're playing, like, this normal imperial citizen or whatever who gets drawn into this inquisitorial retinue and then goes out to, like, slay the heretic. It's probably not going to go so well for you, but that game gets, like, a really bad rap for similar reasons as to why a game like this might be appealing, I guess.
1: I I, I think that, well, first of of all, G... G W is like plagiarism of the Michael Moorcock universe. Oh, is well
0: founded and well established. Pr- pretty, it, like, pretty well GW's known at this point. They stole from everybody. Like they stole from <laughs> but, Starship Troopers. But, they but, stole from like the, they stole from everybody.
1: But the, but the 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 theft, the whole the whole cloth theft that oh, they yeah, perpetrated the on Moorcock. And the, yeah, dying oh, emperor oh, yeah, was, for sure. It, it, it's heinous. Anyway, um, I think that they stole the Elric. Role-playing game, pretty whole cloth as well with their percentile. System. Well, that wouldn't
0: have been GW because Dark Heresy was uh, Fantasy Flight. So Fantasy Flight would have stolen that because there was never a 40k oh, no. game that was Black Industry first. But was it? Yeah. Oh, there, oh you're right. It they, wasn't Fantasy Flight. It they, was Black Industry. They so. shuttered really quick. Yeah, they did. They they didn't last very long. But, but you I mean, are right because I don't. I don't. I have the Black Industry version of it.
1: I think. I think that. Um,
0: the Your black library. I don't the
1: remember. the dark the dark heresy game was obviously patterning its system on the Warhammer fantasy, fantasy Roleplay.
0: right? Which was patterned after
1: Elric. I think it was. Um, now, so 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 uh, there's a couple there's a couple points I want to make mm-hmm. on that note. First of all, you're totally right. It's a very similar system, and it works in a very similar way. Now because of the way I've been interacting with these OSR games, that's why recently I've been much more interested in Dark Heresy, where I'm like, you know what? These OSR games are great. Why can't Dark Heresy be great? So I can totally now, like after years of being like, I would never touch Dark Heresy. Now I'm looking at Dark Heresy again. And I'm like, I would like to run it again. That having been said, if you look at, for instance, Stormbringer, because it's an OSR game, the way that you interact with skills and abilities is very open-ended. But the way that Dark Heresy is written is it was written in that, like, 3.5 era.
0: Right, buy what you want, and...
1: everything's very narrow, Mm -hmm. and there's, like, skill trees, and there's, like, if you want to do specific things, there's specific roles you have to make. Right. And then when they wrote the game is they didn't give you any fucking, like, percentage points. Where it's like, for instance, okay, you're playing Stormbringer, and you get five... Skills that you just choose. You can either pick from the list, or mm-hmm. Ken St. Andre actually writes in there. You can make them up. Right. You can make them up and you get. You can get like approval from the GM, and it's your and it's your skill. Then to establish what those baseline percentages are, you roll a d100. You just roll a d100, and that's what it is. It's like so. If I roll seventy five percent, and I chose. Uh, fucking like horseback riding or something. I get a fucking seventy five percent horseback riding, which is like better than anybody else. I'm like better than the warrior or whatever. It's horseback riding. There's nothing like that in Dark Heresy. Everything in Dark Heresy is, like starts out at like thirty five percent, and then you gotta you know? buy
0: it, and it's very bookkeepy and pointy. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just like, you could play it that way, though. I mean, there's nothing saying you can't hack Dark Heresy to do what you want. I just it sounded to me. Like I said, it sounded to me like like the complaints against Dark Heresy were a lot of the things of oh well that's kind of why this is interesting or why it's uh, a neat concept and yeah I like Dark Heresy I wouldn't mind playing it I wouldn't mind running it like I'd like to run Only War at some point like, and you I should have all these stupid games and I never have done anything should
1: run it dude I'd play in it. If, if you weren't running at the club yeah
0: that's I'd play i'm and i may run it at the club i may actually just come in and throw down only war after this this next game wraps up and be like we're playing only war because <laughs> guess what you're playing guardsmen and if you die you just roll up a new guardsman so i don't really care if you show up week the week or not i think the way that only war actually
1: works is that each char- each player gets like five characters right uh-huh yeah you're so playing it's, just,
0: it's yeah, almost it, it's almost like a funnel in it's a, a meat way. grinder yeah, it's not really a funnel because the funnel never ends. It's basically just a shoot <laughs> yeah. into a ravening tyrannid maw that never stops, like thrashing your flesh and but, converting it into biomass.
1: I'm sure your players will love that. You'll be like, "Yeah, this here's, here's an out of print book. It's seventy dollars. Right? Just go on eBay, man. I'm not gonna make them buy it. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> but aren't your players at that game? Aren't they kind of like the kind of guys who are like, "Oh, let's go get the book.
0: No, not and really. They some of up them are. I think I, I think some of them are. But I think, I, like, I don't think any of them have Mutant Year Zero except for Richard uh, and Claire. Yeah, right. And, you know, only one of them went out and bought 13th Age. And so I just, I don't, I don't really, well, I guess two of them, but I, I don't really see them as being like collectionists. They seem to be pretty thoroughly invested in the and Pathfinder, not really interested in buying a bunch of extra books, but at least willing to try playing them, which I think is admirable. Oh, yeah. Because absolutely. there are people who are just like, we've had people who've approached us who are, so what do you and what do you do? And we tell oh, we want to, run. and they go, oh well. Let me know if you ever start running D and D or Pathfinder. And yeah, we're like, Okay, man. so I'll set my clock for never, right? And I'll hit you back then.
1: I mean, I guess it's fine because it's almost like, well, how interested can we be in people who aren't interested in us? And it's like I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still just disappointing how sort of monocultural the D and D wave is, and I think it's great that you had some people who came in and we're like oh we want to play something other than DD. it's like thank fucking god you know oh,
0: i don't know that that was their intent they were in the store and they didn't like because i was talking to them they were in the store they didn't have anything else to do <laughs> they saw we were playing games and they were like what are you playing and then they were like oh well we had been talking recently about how maybe we should try uh, something other than D&D and pathfinder they weren't seeking us out it was just kind of fortuitous that we happened to be there which i, I thought was great
1: yeah i know that worked out well yeah well, what do you think, Adam? Um, I think it's about that time. It's about that time, buddy. It's a good show. Uh, and the next episode is what? The number 50, isn't number it? Number
0: 50. 50th episode, dude. The big five zero. Never thought we'd make it that far. Started from the bottom. <laughs> now we're now, here.
1: Now we're at 50. Yep.
0: Um, we have something special lined up for that, don't we? It'll be a real treat. It's going to be It's gonna be great.
1: You guys are going to love it. Anyway, so thanks for listening to this episode of Formal RPG. I am going to stop recording and start editing and I'm going to post this thing. So you guys are going to be, this one this one is so fresh. I don't think you've ever listened to an episode of Heavy RPG this fresh. It's like, seriously, it's going from our table to yours. Farm fresh. Farm to table. You got it. <laughs> Good luck, man. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening to Full Metal RPG. Uh, If you want to get a hold of us, uh, there's an Instagram, at Full Metal RPG. Uh, Hit me up on the email at at fullmetalrpgofficial@gmail.com. Make sure to check out our webpage for a transcription of this uh, review. That's fullmetalrpg.com. And then we also
0: try and post other stuff there, too.
1: Uh, What do you think, Adam? Is that... I guess we're I should on, mention the. Pig. We're on
0: SoundCloud and iTunes. If you haven't mm-hmm. left us a review, please give oh. us a review on SoundCloud and iTunes. Or on iTunes, I guess, not on SoundCloud. Yeah. Because we got some reviews. <laughs> we still have a couple we need to read, too. So. Oh, well, yeah. We, shit, yeah. we
1: do. Fucking hell, man. Yeah, we need to I'm get such on Such an top asshole. Of that.
0: We got to do we're, a couple of those we're reviews saving next time. That's it all for episode 50. That's right. The big 50th anniversary special. It's going to be amazing. Um, <laughs> and don't forget about the Patreon. Don't Full forget Metal about that Patreon. Patreon. Yeah, don't forget about that Patreon, guys.
1: Help us keep the lights on at Full Metal RPG. Help
0: us help you. Yeah, no kidding. These candles don't pay for
1: themselves. Yeah, you take so many candles to run these games, and guys.
0: skulls. Oh my we Jesus. We gotta buy skulls. They're expensive. For the skull throne. Yep, skulls for the skull throne. We gotta get blood for the blood god.
1: Blood and souls for Arioch.
0: Yeah, blood and All souls right. for Arioch.
1: Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a great night. Good night.